Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Football by Football podcast. All right, welcome back to the Football by Football podcast. This is Matt Chatham, your host. Fired up to be doing the show again. Obviously, it's a little later in the week than we usually do this show. It's uh, it's Friday morning, and we're off and rolling with a Thursday game under our belt. Had some technical snafus, which is, is par for the course in the old uh, podcasting world. But fired up today to have Rocky Boyman on with us. Rocky's calling in from Utah. Uh, he's got a big game out there this week uh, in college football. Rock, how's it going, man? Doing good, man. Glad to be back with you, buddy. All righty, well, let's just dive into it. As we mentioned, we're obviously doing the show here after the Thursday night game happened. Uh, the big story coming away from it is obviously Baltimore pulling themselves back into that game, the game going into overtime, a couple sort of player issues that I guess would jump out to me. Uh, obviously, these guys just had three days rest, both teams, and they went into an overtime game on a Thursday night late into the evening. One, sort of how emotionally tolling that must be, and two, uh, I'd like to get sort of your player take on, on what went down with Josh Scobie. Uh, obviously, for the Steelers, missing a couple kicks that clearly played a role in the outcome of the game. Uh, have you been through something like that as a player? Not, obviously, not, you know, outright losing the game for your team, but having something that was going to weigh heavily on you and trying to figure out a way to put it behind you and go forward to the next week. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've you've been a part of wins and losses. Same thing. You, you got to find a way to put that to, behind you. But you just know, as a guy, you know, I played one year for Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh, and the fact that he, you know, chose to go for fourth down there twice didn't surprise me at all. I mean, he's always been a guy, right. and you know, when I played under him, he, he's he's not going to he's going to go with his gut. He's also, you know, not not going to just you know play the percentages and all. Well, a kick is a better thing here. It, you know. In his in his uh, mind at that point, he said, "Look, our kicker was done. He, he can't make a, a field goal, so we're going to go about it this way." And uh, I, I don't think that the team second guessed that at all. Um, I, I still think it was the best decision. It's just, you know, obviously, when a much much different story had been Roethlisberger had been a quarterback uh, versus uh, Mike Vick, who's what is he now, thirty six years old? Uh, you know, he's, uh, like that, you know yeah. kind of struggling a little bit. So yeah, it's just one of those things. And to your point about. You know, I mean, it was just a, a tough game because, you know, both those teams coming off, you know, you know, situations where they needed wins badly and they're kind of banged up. I mean, Baltimore doesn't have anybody to throw the ball to except Steve Smith, and he goes down in the game. And, it's just, man, it was just kind of right. a – it reminded me of a of a, a Thursday night game in December, you know, where everyone just seems beat up and tired <laughs> right. and all right. that. And uh, But it just shows you that's the kind of level of play in the AFC North. Yeah, and I, one thing that popped out to me, you know, and I I was being uh, sarcastic as, as, you know, social media will bring out of people. So uh, it was really kind of noticing people complaining about injuries. And I, I sent out a tweet last night kind of 
joking that, hey, you know, realize these guys have only had three days rest and so you should be on injury alert as things take off. And right as that final period began, two guys went down within the first couple, first maybe five or six plays. And all I'm thinking is, wow, as a player, just what your body must feel like. Now, I've done, I've done a lot of, I think, five, six, seven, something like that, Thursday games, for whatever reason, just luck of the draw. We had a lot of those on our schedules. Uh, I think four Thanksgivings and a handful of those, those kickoff games. So at least the mm-hmm. Thursdays at the beginning of the season, you can see it coming. It's just sort of how your, your body just feels different when they throw a game at you that quickly. And I always just I, – I just dumb luck, I guess. We got annihilated. We got blown out in one of those on the road in, in Detroit one year. And then we won the other three pretty pretty comfortably. So it was nice that they weren't, I guess, competitive down the row. Stretch was, I mean, almost sounds weird to say from a player's perspective, but uh, the, the, the idea, I guess, now in my head, knowing how I was feeling heading into the second half of those games, that there might have been an extra period on top of it. Wow. <laughs> like, just, I'm sure those guys now would love to just, you know, go, all, go on vacation for 10 days to try to get their bodies back. Right, no, you're right, and, and two point, you made a good point about um, you know the, the, the timing of the Thursday night games because, you know, to your point, and it's happened to me in, in most of the Thursday night games I played, they were late in the year, you know, Thanksgiving, and by that time, right. I, I feel like we one year we played the Falcons who were completely out of it, and then the other, I forget who we played, but it was kind of the same situation where, you know, one of the teams was probably going to the playoffs, and the other team was you know, basically couldn't wait to get the season over with a little bit. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a different kind of game versus this is that early Thursday night game off a short amount of rest where both these teams are, God, just trying to fight and scratch and claw and and save their season. And then for it to go into an extra period, I I, got to say that the the happiest team in the league right now is the Cincinnati Bengals. If you're watching that game, because you're like, we're 3-0. The other two contending teams have two losses, and now they're both beat up. You know, they both right. played an extra period on Thursday night. I think they're looking really good for Cincinnati right now. No, I think that's a great point. And I was wondering that as as this is going down, obviously we, we see things up here from the Northeast. Uh, sort of, They're always looking big picture. I mean, obviously the Bengals have, have arrived on everyone's radar up here, uh, clearly. I mean, they're playing extremely well, as good as anyone in the AFC. Uh, but then you start to think, and they always do it around here. It's just, it's just part of being in this New England environment where they've won so much. Everyone wants to see who the threat is, right? And even mm-hmm. when Baltimore struggles, I think there's still this thing in the back of people's head that Baltimore in, in a one-day fight it can always be a danger. But as you watch sure. them sort of, you know, tearing each other apart, you know, guys going down left and right, both of the Steelers, you almost feel in that division sort of much as you touched on that the Bengals can kind of keep those two at arm's length, let them beat each other up uh, with all the issues they have now with Vic being in at quarterback and doing an okay job last night, but it's just simply not the same. They're not able to take advantage of the talent that they have at the offensive skill position. And the Ravens, they don't have anyone to throw to. You mentioned that as well. Perriman, uh, the big first-round draft pick they go out and get, they don't even have him available. He's having day-of-game surgeries on his knee out of out of left field. So you got to be fired up if you're a Bengals fan. And I think from a New England perspective, some of those teams that we think that, you know, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, we kind of figure they'll get their they'll get their act together by December and they'll be back and ready. But if they keep losing games like this, that it would have been really nice to get that one. That's 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 a loss on the wrong side, and uh, all of a sudden the threat's thin. And it's just yeah, hey, there, there's there's the Bengals, and maybe maybe they'll still be playing like they are now, you know, three and a half months from now, or maybe they won't. So it's uh, yeah. it's interesting that we're this early in things. There's a little bit of clarity uh, at a time where you don't usually expect it. 
It, it really is. And just, you know, just a, a comment on the Bengals, you know, obviously because I'm here in Cincinnati and I see them a lot. I mean, they, they – and I know nationally everyone is really hesitant to give them any credit, and I understand because – you know when the lights are bright and in the you know the you know the night games and of course the playoff games they always seem to, to fizzle out. But I, I really think this is a a different team. And just in terms of Andy Dalton, and I know he's always been the guy that he's put up some good numbers, but he can't win the big one. Right. To me, I thought last week versus Baltimore, he made a big step because what he's you know I've seen Andy Dalton play great games. I've seen him play terrible games. Of course, what I haven't seen much, Matt, is the game where he does okay, but then has some adversity late, okay, and then bounces right. back and is able to lead his team to victory. And that's what he did. He led, you know, in the fourth, third and fourth quarter of that game, Baltimore was, you know, their their defense was playing really well. The Bengals' defense was all of a sudden, for whatever reason, playing terrible. And Dalton gives up uh, two turnovers. One was an interception. The other one was a sack, uh, sack fumble for a touchdown. And he led the Bengals back on not one, but two fourth quarter touchdown drives. Again, that's something you don't you haven't really seen out of Dalton, and I think he won over a lot of teammates, uh, you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball with that performance, which makes me really think now that they're a little bit more for real than they've been in the past. I think it's an excellent point, especially in that they won their games in different ways each of the several weeks. Uh, and, and in that game, again, you know, with our locks picks that we do here on the website at FBF, we we had we had the Bengals as one of our picks, and there was that moment where they went down late, and they went down late twice, and that that's the adversity you spoke of, where I think in a in a different season and in, in other past performances he's seen maybe you know there's the stat accumulation to the point but they don't get it done in the final moment to not only do it once but to do it a second time that showed sort of that moxie that you want to see from a team that is finally able to get over the hump I mean again I'm going to mention these two names and it's not because I'm trying to draw a parallel between the two of them. I'm just trying to draw a parallel between I think the perception of the two guys the, the Peyton Manning was in that spot for the longest time in his career it was like great go get all your stats in the regular season you'll never get over the hump yep. and there was that moment where they they surpassed the Patriots on an in season in a regular season game, and they had their other moments—a tough road game in Kansas City, or you know, a, a win in San Diego, or something like that that goes down late. Where it's like, okay, we know you can compile stats. We actually know you can compile regular season wins as well. How about you, you overcome something? And and that was such a huge moment for that Colts team. Obviously, you played for that team, and uh, it's it's sort of where it, I think it fills up a locker room. It's like, okay, we can do this now. And uh, I think if you're a Bengals fan. Uh, the the two things you're going to be cheering for is health, <laughs> which matters so much, I think, for all those amazing offensive weapons that they have over there. And then the second thing is just that they continue to overcome adversity because it's going to be something different every week. I, I think the defense played really well at times, uh, played pretty poorly situationally at the end, but the offense bailed them out. There's going to be weeks where one week's good, the other group's gone. You just can't have weeks where both sides yep. are bad. Right, well, you're right, and that's the that's the key to a good football team, and, and you know that as well as anybody. Yeah, one one week for for whatever reason your defense, God, they just can't get it together. That's when you need your offense to kind of pull them out. And I thought that's what what you know the Bengals' offense did in the fourth quarter of, the, of that game. I, I think the other thing of note this year for the Bengals is you know they start off three and zero last year, and same deal. Everyone was excited. Oh my yeah. God, here we go. Well, and then they had a bye week. Okay. And then their their mm. their gift after the bye week was playing the Patriots in Foxborough at, at you know at a, at a night game 
they got blown out. That was the kickstart of the Patriots season. And um, I, I think it's it's good for the Bengals that they don't have that now. They're they're kind of hot, and you know, Matt, when you're hot, you don't want you, know, you don't want to buy. We want to keep going. So they're right. like Kansas City this week, Seattle the next week, and uh, I think that'll help uh, keep the, the continuity going for them. Let's pause for a moment here to acknowledge our sponsor. Obviously, by now you've seen the ads. We've all seen the ads. Your friends are playing. It's time to get signed up at FanDuel.com. FanDuel's the leader in one week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. They're paying over 75 million bucks a week this season. That's a lot of money. So building a team is easy. We all know this. That's why we love FanDuel. You just go out and pick your players, stay under the salary cap, and sit back on Sunday and watch your team win. Those entry fees are low at just a dollar, so anyone can play. You know fantasy football. You've been doing this for a while, so prove it at FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use our code FBF and sign up now. Special offer is still out there, and for all of you new users, for every dollar you deposit, FanDuel is going to match it with up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to $200 that's only good for the first 50 people that use our code FBF today. Don't forget to use my code FBF. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. Well, we sort of talked about off air, you know, you're, you're working a BYU game this weekend for ESPN. And it's, uh, to me, the Chiefs sit sort of in that BYU kind of environment. Not that it's exactly analogous in the pros. I mean, I think pros are pros and they shouldn't have the same kind of letdown, but I look at the Kansas City Chiefs really letting a squeaker go away against the Broncos two weeks ago where, you know, everyone in the world was was retiring Peyton Manning in the second quarter and only for him to come back and play well in the second half and, and knock the Chiefs off at home on a big, you know, national televised game. And then they got to travel to Green Bay, right, which is one of the most difficult places to go in, in football. They travel there for another big Monday night game. And uh, they, you know, there's a ton of space between them in the middle quarters and make a decent comeback at the end. But they still they still lose by a safe margin Two sort of emotional big ticket losses. And then you have to arrive in 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 uh, in Cincinnati for a team that's hot that gets to sit at home that has relative health right now, I think that's one of those games where and again I'll actually add this into my picks this week for for our FBF locks. That's my contribution. I feel good about the Bengals and I'm ready to be burned. I mean I expect that at some point I will, but I think right now <laughs> riding the Bengals until they prove otherwise is a safe enough bet, especially with a Chiefs group that I think comes in and you know really really badly needing this game and maybe not being sort of in the the team state to get it done but all right i'm going to transition here into our what have we learned section or segment we do what we learned every week obviously we're doing a later in the week show so we don't want to spend a ton of time on last weekend's game but i'm going to try to transition into how what we learned last week will actually be relevant to what's about to happen and for me that's the uh, the atlanta falcons i spent a lot of time a week ago talking about the falcons talking about the giants or excuse me, talking about the Cowboys. And, you know, the big talking point was really Brandon Whedon. Brandon Whedon, uh, you know, what can they be in the absence of Romo? Uh, I think people overlook the Falcons. They presume that, you know, they'd had some some wins, but I mean, they're beating up on the NFC East that was looking a little a little suspect and people don't know what to make of them. But uh, I think you go on the road uh, in, in a difficult place to play like that. Even And Brandon Whedon plays clean through the first half. He actually played pretty solid. Uh, but able to go down there, and basically now they've beaten all three teams in the NFC East other than the Redskins. 
uh, that would, I mean, be the presumable top top portion of that. And they did it with some adversity. They got down, they came back. I mean, it's it, a little bit comparable to the to the Bengals situation. So for me, the what I learned is that I think Atlanta is legit. I, I, they have a running game, which is not something that they've had. I mean, there was a time where they made that investment to go get Steven Jackson at the tail end of his career. It just didn't quite work out. Uh, they now have that running game, and that's even in the absence of Tevin Coleman, who will now be back and hasn't been a big part of things. So they have the chance to be maybe a two-headed team comparable to the to the Bengals. Uh, but they have the most incredible stretch of games coming up that, that I think anyone on the NFL roster – if you were any one of the other 31 teams and you said, hey, what will my next seven games be? I think you would choose what the Falcons have. They have the Texans yeah. coming up, which which was – they're not, I don't know if they're reeling, but they're a desperate team that's still talented, but who knows what you'll get from that. Then they go Redskins, Saints, Titans, Bucks, Niners, Colts. Literally each of those oh, teams. I'm not great stretch. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's not, I'm not even saying they're bad teams. I'm just saying each of these teams has huge identity issues, and none of them. I mean, you know, some of them could end up. You know, two from the list of seven could end up turning around and being good teams. But they literally have uh, survived the early gauntlet three and oh surprisingly and have this stretch of teams that all are trying to figure themselves out. They have quarterback issues. They have health issues. They have. Uh, God knows what. So uh, if that, if anything, schedule, believing in the head coach, love Danny Quinn, and uh, seeing the adversity they've overcome earlier, I think I learned that the Atlanta Falcons are going to be a real player in, in the NFC. How about you or what well, have I, you learned, I, Rocky? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, well, I, well I, I agree with you, and it's funny because in terms of the, you know, my what have I learned, mine has to do with the Falcons as well, but, but a little bit just a different, you know, spin on it is, what I've learned uh, with what the Falcons have done is that head coaching matters in the NFL. You know, in, in baseball, it doesn't matter hardly at all. Basketball, hardly at all. You know, in, you know, in baseball, example, here in Cincinnati, everyone wants to fire the manager, Brian Price, because he's not going – and it's like, what does he do? He has no – you know, he has no real effect on the day-to-day operations of, of – it's more – it's pitching and, and can you hit the ball with runners in scoring position, right? But I, I think – what we're seeing in the NFL and, and Dan Quinn is, is just a, a, another perfect example of it is head coaching and, and, and his ability to change the culture around there matters. You know, I read a bunch of articles and talked to some folks down there and, you know, he's really his big mantra is finish. And he, he's, he seems to be a guy, Matt, and you know this because you played for some great coaches. To me, the, the great coaches are the ones that, 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 that find a way to talk to each individual player. It, it, you, know, you, you can't have a coach that treats right. everyone the same because every guy is not the same. Some guys you yell at and they go in the tank. Other guys you right. yell at and they pick their level of play up. Some guys you, 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 you find them and it doesn't matter. Some guys you take away their playing time and that's what really gets them motivated. You know what I mean? So each, a, right. a great coach, in my opinion, and especially in football, finds a way to, to trigger each and every little guy. And he seems to really – have really done that. He brought that whole mantra and culture from uh, from Seattle, and he just seems like his players are buying into him. And, and to me, that's what I learned is, you know, people want to talk about the players in the NFL, and of course that's first and foremost, but right below that is a great leader and a head coach, and, and I think uh, Dan Quinn is showing us that. Well, I, I think it's an excellent point that really that works sort of universally around the league. You look at some of these teams that are playing at a really high level. Uh, obviously, Marvin Lewis doesn't get that credo from a lot of people uh, until he gets over the hump. He'll probably sit there sort of in uh, sort of no man's land, but it's certainly good coaching. But I look at Bruce Arians and look at the other side of the docket, you know, out, out in the NFC. I mean, there 
the leadership there, and it's different. The style is exactly polar opposite from Bill Belichick, but you have buy-in. You have all these guys who, who dig what he's into, like the personality. They they buy in. They're they're willing to sort of adhere to whatever he's going he's going with, and there's sort of a trust there that you can hear. And you, and you read it in all the comments that come out of the player interviews. I watch their videos, watch the stuff they put out throughout the week, and it's like, dude, these are guys who get it. They they're they're sort of uniformity in the message from the players down from the coach, uh, and that's that's really what New England's been all about. I, the other place I look is Green Bay, and I, Mike McCarthy got a ton of a ton of shit. And I don't think it was unwarranted for a lack of aggressiveness, I guess, in that NFC championship game a year ago, but what do they do? They go into the off season and they're literally the, 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 the one player of the 32 that almost completely stays out of free agency. They basically do nothing. They re, they resign their own yeah. guy. They make sure they get Cobbs back, but they don't buy into the hype. They don't buy into sort of the hot sports take stuff and they're not going to do some knee jerk reaction to sort of outside the building perception. They develop the crap out of players. They don't overpay for the ones that they don't want to retain. And they're just not real big players in free agency. And, and when you hear sort of the the tempo, it comes from the coach. It comes from Aaron. You hear Aaron Rodgers from the podium and he is even keeled as all hell. And, you know, they lose, you know, they used to, uh, their, their top wide receiver and Jordy Nelson and, and, People don't seem to blink. So I, I think a lot yeah. of that, you know, that just doesn't magically come up from the earth. <laughs> you know, that comes from sort of the leadership. The leadership really matters when stuff sort of hits the fan. And that's that happens a lot around the league. And some of these teams that do best don't ride the roller coaster. And I think that's that's definitely to their credit. Right. Well, um, yeah, and the teams that don't ride the roller coaster are the ones that, yeah, don't don't have the leadership, don't have the – you know, the development of players. You talked about, you know, the fact that Green Bay and, you know, the, the amount of players in their team that are drafted. They don't they don't do a bunch in free agency. The Bengals did next to nothing in free agency. I, I think the Bengals have six guys on their team that, that weren't either drafted or signed as a free agent out of college on their team. Arizona's the same way. You know New England, they that's kind of the same way. They get a you know, look at a free agent here and there. But for the most right. part, as they develop their guys and guys have bought into that system, they feel like they've, they've been brought up to that system and that whole, that leadership and, and everything exuded down from the head coach is, is, is really important. Well, in, in those situations too, and this is a knock that New England's usually given, that, that you'll mention that sort of uh, – that, that approach, and they'll say, well, of course you can do that. You have Tom Brady. Well, again, maybe that's true. Maybe that's not true. So you kind of put that on the shelf for a second. I look at you look at Arizona and Green Bay and, and they they're not aggressive either. Now, the Green Bay argument, well, they got Aaron Rodgers. So you're in a luxury position. You everyone can't not be as aggressive as you are. I look at Arizona that that doesn't hold up because Carson Palmer is a, is a good but middling quarterback. I don't think anyone out there other than the performance he's had in September would put him in that even top 15 class. He's a good starter. He's solid, stable, but he's had injury issues. But th- they didn't go out and, you know, get you know, whatever. They didn't go pay for uh, Demarius Thomas or Julius Thomas or whoever was the top ticket guy. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go purge uh, uh, Des Bryant, you know, or something like that because it didn't work for them. Essentially that offense that's the top of the top of the league offense right now was one of the worst NFL offenses at the end of the year last season. And they're virtually unchanged. They, they, they juiced the backfield a little bit, got a little more talent back there. Ellington's healthier. Uh, The quarterback's back now, but as far as offensive weapons are getting the ball, still Larry Fitzgerald. 
Uh, still Michael Floyd, who's been injured. Uh, they're not overly athletic at any particular position. They just they just do their stuff well. They 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 they, they execute, and that that counts for a lot. So I think we're in a world now where people got to go out and think you have to go buy wins, and it's not always the case. So. Anyway, all right, we're going to move on here to our final segment, something we like to do every week called Unanswered Questions. Unanswered Questions. I really, really, really want to know. You don't want to know. Yeah, I want to know how come. You want to know. I want to know. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Now, Unanswered Questions is a very important segment this particular weekend because we're doing the show later in the week, and I think there's a lot of stuff that sits on an exciting weekend of games that none of us know. And uh, I think we'll learn a lot because we're right at that sort of precipice, right at that point where we've just exited September. The month of September is always kind of goofy. There's a lot of stuff that will go on that may not be relevant to December. You kind of just survive it, make sure your record is as good a shape as possible, figure out who you are, and then start game planning forward. For me, the, what, the, the unanswered question that I have is really what is going on in this NFC East. I think it's the division where we went into the offseason with a ton of hype. You know, Chip Kelly is going to take that step forward. This is going to be a Wild West, well, Wild East, I guess, kind of offense. And who knows what what amazing statistical accomplishments they could potentially have. The Cowboys, you know what? That offensive line is the best in football. You can let DeMarco Murray go. Uh, they read sign Dez. You know, this kind of, you know they're, they're going to uh, juice some of these young wide receivers that they have that are now going to get greater roles. The defense is only getting better. You're now going to get Greg Hardy and, and Gregory from Nebraska as a top pick. I mean, all there's enough plausible hype, I think, around those two teams. I think that, you know, the tide's going to rise. The Giants are going to get back Victor Cruz, uh, you know, and now they'll have this complimentary group of weapons with Odell and Cruz and Larry Donnell is better, and the backs are going to be juiced now by Shane Vereen. I mean, there were so many good, believable storylines. And the, and the Redskins, I'm yeah. not mentioning. <laughs> so, but there's yeah. so <laughs> many believe <laughs> there's so many believable storylines in those three groups. And they're in disarray a bit right now. I and mean, the Eagles offensive line has been taking the brunt of the heat, but for some reason they can't uh, call plays and execute plays to move the football like you would expect them to. Dallas is just more an issue of injuries. You can't blame them. Uh, the guys are going down left and right. They, I think they played to put 28 points on the board a week ago is actually pretty surprising considering Whedon comes in and does the job that he did. They have, Lord knows who they're even throwing the football to. Uh, uh, Jason Witten's got two bad ankles. I mean, like it was, I think they're doing something there. But again, for the unanswered question of this point, we're going to go through this weekend and I think we're going to start to learn a lot about somebody from that group has to pull away because there's a huge opportunity for somebody to come out of a group that's pretty bad. Well, I, I certainly agree with you. I mean, that, that was a division you looked at before the season and you go, Okay, three of the four teams, you know, yeah, they may beat each other up a little bit, but the three of the four of those teams, minus the Redskins, of course, are really, really good. And, it's yeah, it's been a kind of a haphazard start to that whole division. And in terms of, you know, to your point of what, we, what we're still learning or what we don't know is I'm still ready for this magical guru Chip Kelly team that he's formed together. I'm still waiting for it to work. You know what I mean? Right. And, I, and I trust him. I, I think he's brilliant. I, I love everything about him. I, I love the way he, he thinks outside the box here and stuff. But at some point, all that's got to translate to wins, Matt, and, and it's it's right. not there. Um, and then, you know, it'd be it'd be easier to, to go with the, uh, the, the, you know, the Eagles and say, okay, they're going to figure it out and this and that. But then I, I think once, you know, Dallas gets back to healthy, which may still be a few weeks, I, think, I still think they'll be in it. But, yeah, it's kind of a – it really is a tough division to figure out right now. 
right now, this is the moment. I mean, this is sort of that, that whole shot. Like you've got a moment here while some of these people are down. So if you're, if you're Chip Kelly, I think you have to, this, this could have been, this could be one of the, and I hate hyperbole, hyperbole, but it sounds like I'm about to do it, but this could be one of the most important prep weeks that you have throughout the season, because I think you look at the team and they're, they're not depleted like some of the others are, they just haven't figured themselves out. So there's this moment where, you know, the Dallas has, they have an opportunity here with a Saints team that's even more beat up than they are, or at least as beat up. Uh, and and then you also have the Redskins and Eagles playing against one another. So somebody in the division is going to get a knock here. So I think if the Eagles, you know, and I, I mentioned, forgot to mention the other team, the Giants have a really tough road game in Buffalo. And Buffalo's been sort of percolating themselves. So I, I think it's a week where if, if for some reason the Eagles stumble now and give one up to the Redskins, I mean – Man, that's again. I, I don't like sort of one game signifying an entire season, but you do have to understand that the opportunity is so big in front of you. And since your issues are more just figuring yourself out, and you have people that have been successful with you before, it's just a matter of sort of configuring things and making it run. And if that means it's Sam right. Bradford, if that means it's Mark Sanchez, who knows? But you have to look at those guys and say, this one's on you. You got to figure it out. Uh, and one final point on that I should make quickly, but. Joe Philbin down in Miami has been getting a ton of heat. I think he's got one of the hottest seats in football right now because there was a lot of talk as, as Mike Tannenbaum came in that potentially, you know, that wasn't his guy and they're going to re up, they're going to re up uh, their quarterback, but are they going to hang on to the head coach? And, but you know what, we've infused a place with so much talent. Uh, one of the things I saw last weekend's game was the, the sideline was uh, sort of blown. There was some NFL sound or they, they, uh, caught Philbin yelling at his guys to hustle off the field. Let's go. Let's go. Let's stay in this. And you saw five, six dudes just hang their heads and just walk right by him and ignore his comments. The reason I bring Philbin up though, is, is because we're having this conversation about Chip Kelly. I think you get to that point where players might roll their eyes in the building about the, the guru and genius stuff. Cause players have seen a lot, you know, and I think players are a little more bottom line. It's like, we have to win. We have to score points. Like I'm not, I'm not giving you credit for being a genius unless we're winning, <laughs> you know? So yeah, there's, right, there's a yeah. possibility. There's a possibility of a tune out factor with chip. If, if it doesn't get turned in because he's so different than everyone else. Right. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Just, just to quickly end that you talk about the Eagles, you know, probably just an identity, and they're still trying to figure themselves out. Well, now's the time they want to figure this out, but while the fact that Des Bryant's hurt, Antonio Romo's hurt, right. and Randy Gregory's hurt, you know, you, you want to do a lot of your figuring out and your winning now, because once those guys get back for the Cowboys, it, it's, they're going to really, really, I, I think they'll really, really roll. So now's the time, you know, they need to do some of that, that figuring out. All right, I'm going to go to my um, – uh, unanswered question, and this has to do with the Carolina Panthers, and they're three and zero, and no one in their nobody would have guessed that they would be three and zero at this point. Now they haven't played obviously the, the toughest schedule, or they had the Jags and the Texans and the Saints. Um, but but look, three and zero is three and zero, and then I think they're, they're playing right. well. They seem to have a lot of juice. I guess my unanswered question is they're re- relying so much on Cam Newton and, and his ability to do what he's kind of what he's known for, which is, you know, run and scramble and be tough and then kind of be a, a running back back there. And which again, it's, it's great. They're three and zero and they're winning. Everyone seems to have a lot of belief. I think their schedule is, is favorable. They, they play the bucks this weekend and then they, then they get a bye week before going out to Seattle. So they could be four and zero here by the time what week six rolls around. Um, right. So, you know, so that's all good, but how they're winning concerns me. And that's putting so much, 
on Cam Newton's shoulders and, and, and you know making him do so much in terms of running. I just think at some point he's going to get beat up, he's going to get hurt, and when there's no one else, no other weapons to rely on really for him on the offensive side of the ball, I, I just I, I don't see this lasting. Again, so it's unanswered for me. I think they're doing well, and I like what they're doing, but I just think at some point here the, the, the chickens are going to come home to roost, and the fact that your quarterback <laughs> is taking so many shots is, is not a good thing. Right. I'm, I'm right with you, and it's it's sort of this, this mixed feeling of being simultaneously impressed you know and, and I probably shorted him I, I didn't I wasn't terribly impressed with the performance he had in the NFC what was it divisional game against the Seahawks out there last year to yeah. end the mm-hmm. season and I thought you know what this is a this is a good player but he still has his limitations he's he's ballsy as all hell I mean he will take that big body and throw it around he can make a lot of throws but his his field reading is is average and you know but he goes out and gets this monstrous contract and I'm like, you know what? You just paid a, a very good player excellently. And I think whenever you go yeah. a notch up to what you're actually getting, it can sometimes wreck a roster. Now, I say that, and I look at what he's dealt with in the absence of Kelvin B- Benjamin uh, with the injury early in the season, and you look at his roster of receivers. We're talking about Devin Funches as, as one of the guys that was a converted tight end at Michigan playing in a terrible offense right. there who's really just relearned that position. Uh, you got Jericho Cotri. I love Jayco, uh, old teammate, uh, as as – grinder of guys there is out there but uh he's in the he's sort of in the you know the november of his career uh and they're just they're just going out there blocking really well with the wide receiver position to help spring some of these plays uh you know you have uh just an an eclectic group of wide receivers catching one or two or three balls a week and helping them sort of make it work somehow some way they lose luke keekley their best defensive player one of the best defensive players in in football uh for now extended period of time and continue to win so I think I think you're hitting the nail on the head by virtue of making them an answer, unanswered because you feel like they're on borrowed time, like they're getting away with so much, which is incredibly impressive. It's not to not to downplay the accomplishment. It's just to say how much of this is sustain, sustainable. So I I put them right there with you. But the one thing I will give them credit for is being able to pull through pull through that stretch. And they've still got that that division. They've still got the Saints, and they've still got the Bucks that are just sort of shuffling their feet and going nowhere. So as many questions as I have, they might be right team, right time to be dealing with that, uh, to be able to weather what they'll have to weather in that particular division. I'll ask you one qu- last question, too, because as we are talking about these guys, you had a lot of experience in Tennessee. Uh, they're kind of, to me, in that same position. They've had a w- nice win, nice, nice loss, uh, and, a, and a very disappointing one a week ago against the Colts. I kind of put them in that same category of I've seen some positive things I didn't expect. Where do you feel like that that Tennessee Titans sort of trajectory is in the next several weeks? I think the trajectory is, is up because I think you know, I've I've been a big believer in the quarterback. Obviously, I think he's you know he's done some of course rookie things, but I think he's you know I think he showed some more promise than a lot of people gave him credit for. And, and I, I always thought that he would do good just because I, I always my my perspective on on and you know this on Mariota was his just the fact that he played in that system where it forced you to play you know in Oregon were so fast right everything was you know quick quick the practices were quick the you know the amount of plays they ran were quick and it forces a quarterback to to have to you know diagnose things quickly I mean he had to diagnose everything in his life quickly so he's got he's got a good uh 
you know, a good base of doing that. And I think that's one of the most important things for an NFL quarterback is to be able to, okay, where's the read at? There it is. Boom, pull the trigger. And I think he's done a good job of that. Um, yeah, and, you know, their, their rush game is, is done a little bit better than I think people thought. So I think they're building there. I, I don't think – I still think as bad as the Colts have been, I still think they're going to wind up in the top of that division again because they have a, right. a head coach and amazing. a quarterback that I, that I trust. And I think the Titans are still a year or, or, you know, at least one year away. The Jaguars are still terrible. Houston, you never know what you're going to get. So I, I can see the Titans finishing second in that division, but I think ultimately the Colts will find a way. It may not be pretty, but I think they'll find a way to win that division. It's crazy. And I, the reason I transitioned into that group is I, I think it's a division that looks to me a little like the NFC South. They, they both kind of have that issue of – what are we going to be? You know, it's, it's, there's, there's so much uncertainty and almost as if a flawed team might come out on top. I mean, I, I think the Colts, Colts are a highly flawed team, but I'm kind of with you. I think at the end of the day, by default, they'll, they'll muddle through enough of these games and Andrew Luck will get it together and they'll figure something out some way with Chuck Pagano. Well, they'll at least win more than they lose. Uh, and, and it should be good enough in that division, especially because they're not getting the challenge from Houston that I, that I kind of anticipated they would. So maybe yeah. they turn that around. Maybe they don't, but it feels like the NFC South feels like to me where I, I still think the Panthers are, are a flawed team that a lot of the really good teams in the league wouldn't mind facing if this were sort of a, a playoff scenario, but I think they're going to win a lot of games because they, they sit in a similar situation. They, they have some teams that uh, have way too many question marks and, uh, you know, Lovey Smith's right, group down in, right. in Tampa. I mean, what, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. I mean, it just it just seems well, like a hot yeah, mess. Well, it is, and, and and to your point about the Colts is again, I, I you know who, who knows, nine and seven may wind up winning that division because every right. said, every team is flawed and some more than others. So I think the Colts will end up on top of that. The question is going to be, is Andrew Luck going to be healthy enough by the time? Okay, they may fight scratch and claw and, and you know find a way to win that division, which I think they will, but. Is is right. Andrew Luck going to be in hospital bed at that point? If they can protect him enough and 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 you know and win just win enough games, get in the dance. You know how it is, man. It's all about getting in the dance. Once you're in the, the door, dance. then you can you can walk away with the, the prettiest girl, right? So right. That's, that's kind of the thing for the Colts is getting getting in there, but also having a quarterback who's still, regardless of what people think, I still think he's one of the best young talents in the NFL. If he can, you know, protect him enough to be healthy for when they are in the dance, I think they can still do something. Yeah, I, I, I'm, this might not be popular. You might actually disagree with me on this one, but I, I think that uh, as I've watched Andrew Luck, I've been, I guess, more critical of him because I, I'm a little sensitive to that class that they want to put him in that I don't think he's there yet. Uh, I mean, I look at, I look at Aaron Rodgers, I look at Tom Brady, uh, I look at even Peyton, even again, him in more of the December of his career, but I, I, I get, I get the lure with luck. I get it. I mean, he, he is probably very, he's probably more Aaron Rodgers esque because he can do some things with his feet. He's big, he's strong. Uh, he can make all the throws, all that kind of stuff. But the, the mistakes that I've seen him make, uh, in, in two successive playoff runs and then really the start to this season, there's stuff I don't see him fixing. And I, I find that kind of frustrating to watch is like, okay, uh, you know, I, and the, the, the comments you make, and it's, it's been a popular one and it's accurate. Uh, the, the issues they're having with their offensive line are absolutely true. And uh, that's, that's a huge contributing factor. But I also watch him 
turn down the easy throw far too many often to take the more aggressive throw. And, and that to me sometimes has nothing to do with protection. There are some times where I feel them hanging, 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 wanting the deeper, more aggressive throw where the intermediate or the check down or the, the outside comeback is available and he, he just won't take it. And sometimes I'm, I'm wondering in my head if he just doesn't see it or if, you know, they're by, by, by coaching told to be more aggressive or whatever it is. But when I watch Aaron Rodgers just sort of milking uh, the uh, Monday night game, when I watch Tom Brady just walking through things, what separates them uh, from the other really good quarterbacks or potentially good like luck to me is not not one number, you know, like three, but, you know, the third best quarterback to the fourth. I, I see an ocean between them because I think you become great when you see the whole field. You take exactly what's given to you. And the fact that protection is great doesn't matter because you get it out to the right spot regardless. And, and Tom Brady has had times where the protection hasn't been great. Packers have gone through stretches where, you know, you can't even name the Beluga's gone. Like they, they've, they've gone through stuff themselves where if the quarterback is so good, it doesn't matter. You know, you don't you don't even need a running game. And and I don't think luck's there. I think he's still got some some issues. So um, it was interesting to, to see the news come out of there this week that he's he's legitimately missing practices for the first time. And he is he is he's really banged up. So maybe it's just an issue of drawing up some plays that keep him a little more protected and forcing the balls into a certain place. Yeah, well, and I think you made a good point about you need to take the, you know, the, the check downs when they're there instead of hanging in so long. I, I just wonder from his perspective, is he like, I, I have to do this because our running game, you know, we've been trying to build this running game for like four years. It hasn't really right. panned out that much. Our defense has been suspect. I just wonder in his head, he's like, I've got to hang in there and try to get the 18-yard dig versus the, the five-yard five check down, which, but to, to your point, he needs to realize the bigger picture here. And, and the biggest picture is his health. And he can't be taking these shots. You know, okay, yeah, it's great that you want to hang in there and be be ruthless and take a shot and hit a hit for a big play. That's great. I, I love that mentality. But above all else, if you're a Colts fan, you're like, look, man, we need you healthy. We need you standing by the end of the <laughs> right. season if we, if we want to win, you know? See, I think one of the things that happens and, you know, just being – my own dumb luck, you know, sort of fall in this situation where I've, you know, got to come in basically when Tom did and watch his career progress and watch as good as it gets, you know, and then still being able to observe Aaron Rodgers and, and even Peyton because there's been the, the, the rivalry. So that we're always sort of evaluating sort of cross evaluation, I guess. But the one thing that I think is one of the biggest misperception and really great quarterbacking is that this idea that you, that because they I hate this word, but dink and dunk, but because they'll take not even just the check down, but when, you know, you'll see like levels routes, you'll see like a, a, a five yard or an eight yard outcut with, with a 15 behind it. When you have a choice of which the two sort of out components to take, uh, they always take the one that's open and it isn't always the 18, but I always think that there's, there's a perception out there that because they often take the low route that they don't get the opportunity to take the shots, but that's not true. It's sequencing. They just take the short stuff first until you suck on them. And then they hit you later. I think there's a lot of quarterbacks that don't do it at the same level that think they have to take it first. And when they miss on it, it's second and 10, you know, or it's third and eight. And the thing you never see Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers in, you don't see them in a lot of third and 12s. You don't see them in a lot of second and nines because they'll take their shots on third and three. They'll take their shots on second yeah. and four. 
And it was second and four because they took that dump down you didn't want to take. So it's it's they get theirs. They just get them in a different order. I, I just think it's a smarter order. But you'll see those teams that come and fire out Matthew Stafford. I mean, down the list, Jay Cutler, these guys that they're going to take the shot because we're aggressive. Well, they're aggressive too. They just do it aggressive when it's smart to be aggressive. But that's, again, that's uh, no, my it, little, it, little, little soapbox. No, no it, it is. It's a very good point because, you know, don't – it goes back to the philosophy of, of not not forcing a throw and maybe – you know, a perfectly thrown ball where you're going to get, you know, two shots from a defensive end, you know, yeah, and you complete that, but A, it wasn't really there. You could have taken the check down and you could be healthy right now instead of, you know, <laughs> right, sitting there right. and you're trying to play through an injury and it's, it's only, you know, October 1st. So, no, I think right. it's a good point. All right, Rock, man, that's all I got. So I'm definitely envious of you. Thanks for coming on the show. Doing a game out in the mountains. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a mountain man at heart. Uh, haven't been out to Colorado since the <laughs> summer. Love it so much. Enjoy that mountain air. Have a great game. I've got Northeast game this week. So I've got uh, UMass and FIU probably in the rain. So uh, definitely uh, definitely a little bit jealous of what you're getting to work with out there, man. Have a great time. Thanks for yeah, coming on. Yeah, yeah, very good, brother. Have a good call, and I will talk soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Football by Football podcast. As always, the FBF podcast can be found for streaming or download on footballbyfootball.com or blogtalkradio.com. You can download the FBF podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the TuneIn Radio app. For daily insightful stuff from guys like Rock, myself, make sure you check out footballbyfootball.com. Check out our Facebook page and also give us a follow on Twitter at FBF. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.